Welcome to Story Arc. This is a podcast where I develop story arcs with the help of guests and you, the audience, in the Fey Realms universe. I'm Trevor Sutton. Let's create. First thing I'm going to do is have a brain fart like I do every session. <laughs> welcome back to Story Arc. Yeah, welcome back. Season 2, Episode 7. We got our guest here, returning guest. Hi, I'm Sarah, illustrator for the Realm series. Glad to be back on the Raven Queen. Glad to have you. All right, we're going to summarize and get get the uh, get the fans out there and, and uh, podcast land caught up. So... Where we are now, Tatiana has hit the Shadow Summit. She's going to try and find information on uh, the location of possible allies and the last surviving Fey. Vernon, Hoyler, and Althea have gotten captured by the Frogs. They go through the Frog Coliseum, fighting and surviving. Uh, we've also met a, uh, a a new ally, or two new allies, Trippy and Stompy. Um, the uh, the one of the gladiators caught inside the. Uh, the the Colosseum and also Stompy is the last boss of the Colosseum, a giant amalgamation of frog and swamp creature. Pretty gross and awesome. Let's see here. They all escape uh, with the help of Stompy and they head towards the Shadow Summit. Uh, and Stompy's going to be uh, Vernon's friend. Engineer the engineer, uh, uh, Lucky Darren, Giorgio, Maria, Aurora, and Old Man Crotchety, and whoever else we decide to put in there, continue on towards the Shadow Summit to meet up with Tatiana and the rest of the Assault Force. And that gets us all caught up. Okay. All right, all right. I don't know why I clapped. I'm going to take that out. Okay. <laughs> you're excited. I feel your excitement. I am excited. It's going to be a great episode. We I... got... <laughs> We got some stuff to talk about. We got a couple of characters that we have uh, discussed off show that I cannot wait to go into detail about. So excited! Who do we uh, who do we want to start with here? I think we're gonna start the one with that. That's not gonna have. I mean, she's gonna have impact, but not as much as uh, the other character. Um, I think I want more time to discuss the second one. So I think first things first is our large scaly new friend. Yes. Okay. First, we have to talk a little bit about how this wonderful creature came into being. Um, do you want to do you want to let our listeners know how we created this one? Well, for me, what kind of detailed processes and very professional ways in which we come up with our characters? For, for, for me, it was a, a, sp- a special blend of uh, autocorrect and Knob Hill. <laughs> That'd be a hundredproof whiskey. <laughs> for those of you who are too young to drink it. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, so my name is Sarah, which is S A R A H, and autocorrect for some reason seems to not like that name. So often, when um, the alcohol is a flowing, the autocorrect really kicks in for for Trevor when he's texting me about new ideas and we're discussing this story. So go ahead and tell uh, tell our listeners who this new character what what what's her name? Well, in honor of us both being drunk at the time and Sarag <laughs> sounding very reptilian, we made ourselves. A dragon mercenary named Sarag, the drunk. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's discuss the attributes uh, now. For for those listening, I really want this name to be like S A dash R A G. So there's like a Sarag, so that you know when the dragon talks, there's very much a <laughs> a very it's like a it's like a barbarian. I, I don't know. I I love it so much. But uh, she is a mercenary. Perhaps she can have some kind of deep, dark dragon past, and that's why she's isolated and not with her other dragon people, which makes her perfect for recruitment for Tatiana. But also, she has a couple of traits which are just beautiful for our storyline. One, yes. she she loves her she loves her some alcohol, which you know, again, in honor of our drunken <laughs> drunken discussions, that worked perfectly. And the other point of Sarag is not only that she loves her alcohol and will do just about anything for it, but that alcohol also tends to make her a little bit of a a manizer. A lush. What do you call a lush? A, no, a lush. Yeah, it's no, a drunken. Uh, it's a drunken flirt. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Sarag is a lush. Sarag is a lush. Okay, she's a drunken well, flirt. I feel like you know what? She's a mercenary. Maybe she's trying to conquest everything. Why not? 
She's trying go. to conquer everything. She's a conquistador. Well, I'm so curious about her story. Okay, but what I want to focus on first is I, I like I like this idea, and let me know what you think of it. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. get to the Shadow Summit. They have to kind of perhaps they have a couple of encounters where they fully realize what the Shadow Summit is and how they cannot harm anything, and and that you know maybe they have a couple small encounters. Mm-hmm. They get to the the Shadow Council itself, and uh, perhaps Tatiana has to share a big great secret, perhaps about how Faye have a certain type of magic, blah blah blah, in exchange for where her uh, Faye warriors are now. Yeah. And then for anyone else who may be able to help. And in exchange, the Shadow Council, Council, Council gives her, um, they're like, well, your people are here. And along the way, there just happens to be someone who may or may not be useful to you. <laughs> Best of luck if you want to try to get her on your team. But we don't really recommend it. And so up in some mountain crag somewhere that looks just like a, a terrible, like just charred and like, with lots of broken barrels outside, maybe a couple of skeletons of some animals that were too dumb to come <laughs> to come close. We find Sarag, and she's just she's just lounging around, man, drinking her wine. And they recruit her, and I, I that whole scene to me is so entertaining for her to come along. Um, yeah, what like, do you think? I like the idea, and I and I know what they're going to recruit her with too. And I think you want oh, to tell me. So she likes to drink. My my thoughts on this is that uh, the uh, fairies brew a, fe- a special homemade uh, wine solely for uh, large events um, because it doesn't take much to get them drunk with this stuff, and they stay drunk for a while with it. Um, for humans, they stay drunk for a lifetime. Uh, for the dragon, I don't think it'll it'll so much as make her stay drunk forever, but get really really drunk. As a yeah. dragon, and it won't take much. It's something she doesn't right. have to drink much of to to achieve what she wants to be. Right, and also, I mean, this stuff is supposed to be the most magnificent food, so good it makes everything else taste awful. So right. maybe to her, it's like finding quality, like the best wine. You know what I mean? It's like somebody handed you like a two thousand dollar bottle of whatever kind of fancy Don wine there Perignon. is. When, what, yeah, when you've been drinking prison toilet wine for the past, you know, five thousand years. So. Just saying. <laughs> Maybe she's just so stoked that it tastes so much better and gets her actually has an effect on her versus having to drink just barrels and barrels and barrels of the alcohol she can find. Right, which is typically from, expensive or dangerous after a while. Yeah, well, I mean, she probably pillages the heck out of whatever village is there because she's a big old dragon. But still, the effort that she has to put into it, she probably isn't a big fan of. Which is why she lives on the Italian continent, the the Shadow Summit, because everybody knows about her, and as soon as they see her, they know what she's there for, and they fight her because of it. Oh, that's interesting. So she stays here because it's the only safe place where she's not notorious anymore, or they can't do anything about her. Right, right, right. And maybe she's been driven out of place after place after place. And and maybe that's why she's a mercenary. Because she works for alcohol. That's true. You know, I would really like dragons in this particular realm to be to be not only a very tight knit pack based group, but a very social group that like is dependent on each other. So for for one to be exiled out and not have any others with them is a serious thing, which is why she drinks so much, because like instinctively she needs others. And so since she is exiled or whatever happened, she's trying to she drown she's trying out. to drown it out and it makes her quite silly. And, well, I, I think yeah. that's an excellent point. I, I, man, it, it does it, that gives her an excellent reason for for uh, drinking like she does too, mm-hmm. drinking too, and a reason for us not to have like five or ten or twenty other dragons in our story because they need to be kind of like secluded and rare, or maybe not even rare. Maybe they just don't like other people and they stay very secreted wherever they're at. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's excellent. I mean, so yeah. So, okay, so uh, Sarag is just, I think she's a little bit of our comedic relief as well as, like, the ultimate tank in this particular situation. Are we going with a a classic dragon, just fire-breathing, magical, um, really, really old, fairly wise, probably speaks a lot of different languages kind of thing? What are we we doing here? In comparison to humans, dragons live for for eons and then gather up knowledge. So they'd be kind of, like, almost... Uh, fey-minded, uh, as it were. Mm, okay. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. As far as magical abilities goes, um, we need, I think we definitely, 
it doesn't have to be in this episode, but we need to nail down um, whether there is and what kind of magic abilities other animals outside the Fae have. I think the Fae know the secret of what magic is and how to use it uh, fundamentally, whereas all the other races have access to it via, like, the Unbound do. They can, they, like, each race over there has access to, like, a special ability or a couple little abilities, but they don't know how it's happening. They're just accessing it. You get what I'm saying? Okay. No, no, I think that's a really good point. I think what we should do is we could we should try to keep it in line with the idea of animals and what their instinct, like what did they yeah. develop into this particular shape for? I mean, obviously certain animals are very fast or very stealthy or very strong or whatever. And I think their power should slightly reflect almost an evolutionary trait they developed. You know what I mean? I agree, like yeah. the, the frogs. Um, developed a society that, I mean, they breed really, really fast. So there's a lot of them and they have these kind of either poison or psychedelic kind of excrement, which a lot of frogs do, or, you know, and uh, I mean, there's insects have hive minds, buffaloes are in herds and their main thing is about strength. So perhaps they can manipulate the, the magic, uh, into kind of enhancing their own strength. Right. Yeah. Or smaller animals like uh, this, you know, smaller lizards and stuff can manipulate it for speed or walking on water to catch prey. You know what I mean? Like it should be um, an evolutionary enhancement like rather than know that they're doing anything really. Even. Exactly. Because it's it, they just uh, assume it's part of what they are. You know, I'm a lizard. Therefore, I can do this. And they're like, I'm a chameleon. Therefore, I can change colors. But yeah. in reality, the chameleons in this world have an enhancement which allows them to become invisible. Actually right? invisible. Yeah. Actually invisible. And that's And again, uh, a lot of it should reflect the fairy tales we see in our world. Um, I especially love my okay. My favorite thing is when explorers first came to a place and they didn't know what the animal was or what it could do, and so they just made up all kinds of stuff. Like manatees were actually what mermaids are based on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and just just things like that, you know, where like uh, they thought they thought Komodo dragons were actual dragons, and they thought. Uh, have you ever seen early drawings of an elephant? No, oh, no. Oh, goodness. Okay, so you've never seen an elephant before, and someone is now describing it to you, and they're like, well, it's this giant beast bigger than your house, and it has a snake coming out of the front of its face, and its feet are like tree trunks, and out either side of its head are two giant drum flaps that go back and forth, and it makes a sound like someone trumpeting through a giant horn in a tunnel in a cave. And you're sitting here thinking of, like, this weird, like, house with a snake on front and some trees and some other stuff, right? Yeah. I feel like a lot of the uh, the the powers of these creatures should be based on like some of these like silly like first impressions of what these animals can do. You know, you see a cheetah running, and you think, "My God, that thing's got eight legs, and that's why it can run so fast because oh. it's so blurry as it runs across." You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I, I would love for some of the creatures to have almost like a, a like a trans like a cheetah in this world is not only large but it actually can sprout extra legs to run faster so you know maybe I mean? they were evolved by the perception of other animals to them because Ooh. they were able to do things so they didn't do it I themselves think. they were evolved by something else by everybody believing that they were that way oh that's an interesting idea i like that and it's and it, uh, it, to a certain restriction it can happen super super fast but it happens enough over time, and instead of being like evolution, the magic has taken a hand. Yeah. And the perception as it's um, – so the things that uh, really demonstrate this perception the most are what survive and breed and blah, 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 or evolve more into this magic. Yeah, no, I like it. That's awesome. I, man, I, that gives us uh, some really neat possibilities as far as – you know, oh, yeah. uh, evolutionary animals, things that have happened, uh, like uh, like some, something in the desert, and it's far enough away that when everybody sees it, it looks like a mirage is oh. above it, so it looks like it's on fire. Oh, I and love it. Where... It's like a manta ray in the desert, but it just looks like shimmery from far away when you get closer. We could have space. other things pop up here, too. Like, um, if there's, like, some dude who actually lives out in the in the thing, and, and the whole perception for years of this town, he they thought of him as a genie or as this, and slowly he kind of was... was <gasps> turned into these things because of mass perception yeah simply because of that that perception that alters uh alters the reality around it that is fascinating no i love it i would like the the fey realms to be exempt from this like they carved out their own little section to create this 
this thing where their rules apply, yeah. as in their magic controls it, and that's what the Great Mother's doing. But then on the rest of the planet, this perception rule is the is the one that that. Well, works. it might be something that's radiating, kind of like radiation off of the Fey Realm, where most oh, of the stuff is. That's interesting as well. And because no, I it's like not that. controlled there and, and centered there, you know, it's out, no, out no, here no. and it's, and it's that's, causing. That's perfect because this is a mirror planet meant to be almost like a control group, but yes. in this not even in the center of it just on it somewhere is almost like like you said like a radioactive um place that is emanating these waves from these forces that is causing the whole world to shift and change in sometimes subtle and sometimes not so subtle ways yeah um no i love it that's fantastic and that gives us so much room to play with both mythological beasts and stuff that we just make up ourselves oh yeah that's awesome i like that I like that a lot. I'd love there to be just one creature that literally um, just turns into whatever you think it might be. So if people are scared in the middle of the night, it turns into that scary boogeyman creature. But in the day, if it's kind of cute and it makes just the right noise, it's this cute little tiny monkey with little wings or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, or a parrot. Oh, right, 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 right. Just Making like some noises. Kind of bird. Yeah. Whatever. It, whatever like uh, an illusionary beast. Oh, or, I mean, if there's enough people, a combination of all the things they're thinking. Yeah. That's cool. So it's like a thought chameleon. I like it. I like it. Oh man. Awesome. That'll be yeah. one for the uh, for the for the Fey Realm Safari right there. The Safari is coming up. We're gonna have some great creatures and some great and and, and again this idea that everything can shift and change and adapt is gonna lead a, a whole different uh dynamic to the safari. Oh yeah. It's gonna be fun. And, yeah. All right, um, so we've got Sarag. We have a good idea that Tatiana, as they go along, they obviously recruit this dragon. Um, this is after they left the Shadow Summit. There'll be some shenanigans in there, hopefully with our uh, albino blood healer, which I love. Um, I, I just have to comment really quickly uh, about the previous episode with the Phantom Zone, thanks to them. Um, I cannot stop laughing every time somebody says something horrific and Kayla screams in the background. I think I laughed so hard every single time. She was just like, no! That was her <laughs> creation, her baby, and then all of a sudden it was... Know, it just became so, so awful. bad. Oh, it was, it was great. It was great. But anyway, I just want to shout out to Kayla there on, on the screaming. I, I believe it. Oh, such a great addition to the show. So great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, okay. Antics about self-harm in the Shadow Realm versus... Um, uh, hurting other people. I mean, so even if it's an accidental um, injury, they th the beasts still come out, or does intent? No, I, it's it's going to be a huge focus. intent thing. There's going to be okay. Well, it has to be intent. Yeah, because I mean, if you scratch yourself and all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, you broke your skin. We're going to take you down." Yeah, I think that's kind of well. I think I still think the intent to harm should be the blanket thing because I like this idea of her being a healer. Yeah. Someone being hurt on the outside just as they come in and they're in safety now and they don't realize the thing. And the only way she can heal them is by cutting herself and that intent to harm herself is also going to get her in trouble. You know what I mean? Like we can have a we can her. have a thing where Hoyler does something to go into the under or the shadow realm of that area where all the shadows live and bring her back. Bring who back? Althea from getting taken by the Althea? shadow people. Yeah. No, no, no. I was thinking that someone else in the party gets, uh, the frogs are chasing them. They get to the shadow thing, yeah. but one of them gets hit by an arrow or something. And maybe it's either poisonous or something else. And they go inside and Althea is the healer. Yeah. So she needs to heal them and she gets, she's, she's about to like cut herself and do her healing powers. But then someone's like, you can't because you will literally be ripped apart. Cause I want to keep her in the party. I don't want to sacrifice her because she turns into a shadow person. We can't get her back. Yeah, Those well, are the rules of this place. Well, then what what can happen is, um, yeah, no, that's that's a good scenario. So maybe she. Uh... So what what maybe what we need to do is it's a slow acting poison, and they have to get to the shadow summit to see if they can do something there, because they can't go back outside. They're waiting for them. No, they'll, they'll murder the them. Frogs are there, Their yeah. only hope is to go into the shadow, and perhaps there's something the shadow council can do there. Um, or perhaps there's a way for them to go to the Shadow Council and get permission for Althea to hurt herself to heal him. 
uh, or they're just walking along and and she's so worried and and not thinking about stuff and they're almost there and he's close to dying and everything's coming to a head and there's no way to do it and she trips and cuts her hand <laughs> yeah and like an accident it's just like and they didn't know that that was okay no yeah. i like that i like that it's like just enough an accident she looks at it and realizes and goes shit bring them to me oh. <laughs> no yeah that's good that's perfect and i've got some clarification on her too um so yeah. In her previous life, she's going to be a phlebotomist, okay? And mm-hmm. uh, and what's going to happen is is there's going to be a, some kind of accident in the lab, and she's going to be a phlebotomist and lab worker. Um, and what's going to happen is is uh, either some HIV infested blood or you know infected Ooh. blood gets in her and on her, and she freaks out and she wills the blood to uh, to come out of her and or it fix itself. And so right. uh, so what her ability isn't so much as like healing a wound. It's just okay. the, the blood's properties itself can um, Ooh, blood control. No, I love that because honestly, yeah. you can do anything with that. You could make somebody a, a little I mean, well, I think she should ma- primarily use it in a healing sense. Well, to but, only I mean, her you blood, get somebody jacked up. Uh, oh, and so she, and then she's putting her blood in other people. Yes, and so her blood can go in there and act like antigens and cure things, or cause other blood to congeal and close a wound faster. Okay. No, uh, I like it. I like it. Um, do we need to have? Um, so I guess we're gonna just say that there's an instinctual whatever in her that allows her blood type to change when it enters someone else's body. Because if she just puts her random A type blood in an O type, or well, I think O is universal. But anyway, then she could kill them. The, no. So I'm assuming so we'll that we'll it transforms. We'll make her an O positive. She's a universal donor. Okay, so donor. she's a universal donor. Okay, all right, that's an easy fix. Yep. <laughs> all right, then take that, anyone who might have called us out. <laughs> I'm I'm O negative. I'm a universal yeah. taker. That's well, wow, rude. Yeah, but awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what I am. That's weird. <laughs> anyway, all right. So sweet phlebotomist with healing powers. I like it. Yeah, I think it'd be. Uh, cool. I think it's, I think it's pretty good. She's she's our prick. Nice. Ooh, why? Why? No. 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 Oh. First, first the 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 Red Sea jokes, and now the sigh. The hammer. Oh God. All right. Cool. No, I like it. So we have some drama going on in the Shadow Council. We've got some stuff yes. going on in there. Then they have to come out. I think we should make that a lot shorter. Not so much activity going on there. They come out maybe at a different area of the wall so the frogs won't get them. And they head down this path towards where um, Tatiana's people are, you know, have been hiding. And then yeah. we get to see what, I, what I'm super curious about is what they're going to find when they get to this place where all of these people who were ravens have turned back into fae. And especially if they're in a, an entire colony of ravens that hate fae. Oh, that'd be different. I know. So how? So what's Tatiana going to do to um, convince the ravens there that, hey, join me to save my kingdom that, by the way, slaughtered a bunch of you? Also, um, are, have you kept all my people alive, even <laughs> though you know that they were not ravens? And in fact, the thing I you think made- I think she would have convinced them while she was there. She would have told them what was going on and what she would have done. Um, oh, while she was Raven. Exactly, and, and oh, on top and maybe of, she promised a peace between their their peoples and yes, and and kind of a, a cooperation in the future. But so now she has to deal with broken promises. Exactly. Oh, and there's another thing we need to backtrack on here. Uh, the frogs mm. get stopped by the canyon, and they take they take prisoners. They don't follow the uh, watchman diggers in, but they can run into something else. We can figure something else that way. But the, oh, okay. The frogs stop at uh, that that canyon yeah. area. I do like the idea of them being chased all the way to the wall by something so that there's not a moment of rest. You know what I mean? I want them to really experience the the panic of this world and the unknowing things. I, I think I'd like to put in a traditional mythical um, something in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I it's I think it's kind of my favorite thing when you take something that most people are just like, oh, that's like the cute thing in the fairy tales and you turn it kind of evil. Any? Uh, what are you thinking about? I don't know. It's tough. I mean, there's centaurs. There's like the traditional little cute sprites and fairies and brownies and stuff. There's um, unicorns. Um, there's mermaids. I do really want some some old school mermaids. Those those bad boys are um, they're kind of oh, like the sirens. sirens, exactly. To where they they sing and they lure you in and they drown you and um, feed you to their sisters who are waiting just under the water. Yeah. In fact, in some mm-hmm. of them, they're they're like these. Uh... Like like uh, the Odyssey and stuff, they're actually connected to like uh, it's three three heads, like an anglerfish type of deal. Well, anglerfish only has one little thing hanging off the front of it. 
Hmm. You're thinking about a hydra. I think you're mixing your Greek mythology a little bit here. Um, well, we'd still have to have a lot of water. I guess the Italian... No. It could be a stream. You could have a, a water uh, dryad. Water dryads are cool. And they're made entirely out of water. But then, I mean, water is a thing. It's very tricky. It never shows you quite what you want. It shows you what you want, but not what you need. And it typically tries to trick you into into drowning. That's its favorite thing. I mean, there's good and bad ones, but they're very self-serving, as all are all fey creatures. I mean, they're, they don't care about anything else besides getting something. So you always have to be careful what you promise, and you always have to be careful how you say things. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What kind of mythical creatures uh, do you remember being, you know, smitten by? Well, you're not even smitten by. I mean, have you ever heard of the the naga? Yeah, snake people. Yeah, half woman, half snake, or half man, half snake. Half, yeah, yeah, snake people. Bottom half is a snake. Top half is the the person. I mean, there's a lot of like half and half. Ooh, you know what I really want? I've decided. Okay. All right. All right. I can't remember the name, and I will. I'll look it up again. But there is mythology of uh, half deer, half uh, half person. Typically, women, um, because they're the most. You know, the the doe looks very docile. But instead of a centaur, where you have the entire body of the deer and just the torso coming out, it's like a humanoid figure with deer legs coming out. So you've got the satyrs, right? Like the men that yeah. are half goat on bottom, and they've got horns, and they're Running around Greek mythology, just trying to get trying to get things done, if you know what I mean. Um, well, the I really like. There's an artist I like called Chiara Batista. Yeah, and she has this imagery of these deer women who've got antlers coming out of their heads. Um, they maybe they're elf women. I'm not sure. The bottom half is deer, and they are running around with shotguns and bow and arrows, and they are hunting humans. Um, oh. <laughs> and they are just brutal. They what? are doing. They are, now, are you like, talking about two and, legs or four? Two, two legs. So the bottom half is just deer. So they, but they look very docile. They got the spots. They look very sweet. They're beautiful. And then what happens is this one lures you, lures you in and is very sweet, big old doe eyes, gorgeous. And then the others come out and they, they shoot you down and string you up like you would a deer on that stick that they all carry away. Yeah. And they, they take you away and they, they, you know, eat you. And skin you and eat you and do all that kind of stuff. So I like this imagery of like a, a you know, a role reversal going on. Very sweet, cute deer trying to hunt them down. Like they run into a clearing. Uh, it's their only, they, they've just gotten away from the frogs in the cavern. They're in this, this very sweet little forest where they've encountered no issues whatsoever. Maybe some small animals. They're in a clearing next to a stream and they're like, okay, let's just rest for a minute and then we'll, we'll push on. I think we're safe for now. And as they're, they're resting there, they hear some, like some sweet music and a clearing and there's a, a sweet looking half, half doe woman and she's making some food and she offers out a flower. And the person who's coming up who's trying to talk to her gets shot in the neck with an arrow from the side of the clearing. And they have to run away from. I'm liking this a lot. Do you um, like this? Do you like yeah. that kind of fun? No, no, it's it's freaking got some neat possibilities. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like uh, I, I really like the imagery and the, and the. Uh, mm. Okay, so this species then, um, uh, how are they gonna? Is there gonna be a male portion of the species? Are they gonna be like, kind of like at home type of deal or what? Oh, it's tough. Um, I have to do more research into the mythology because there is a bunch of mythology about these particular creatures. And I remember yeah. the origin. I think they're actually a North American origin or they are a, um, oh, I'll look into it. I'll, I'll find some more information well, for you. Here's, but, um, here's what I like solely because, um, it's close to, um, I like the idea that they're hunting along the, uh, the shadow demarcation. Um, mm-hmm. Because what I what I'm thinking here is that these things um, aren't really out to eat people because they're going to be vegetarians because they're dough. And that's yeah, usually... that's why I like it so but much. But they're there to sell meat and and hide to uh, people inside oh, the shadow. To the team. shadow council, yes. <laughs> or not to the shadow council, but just to the right, right to people the, who need food yeah. within the shadow realm. That and they're, is they're super nice inside the shadow realm, but outside it's just yeah. business. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I love it. No, I would like it to be this troop of the dough because they're the most, they're efficient because they don't look scary. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, to, to follow, you know, traditional deer kind of stuff, um, the stags, the men, um, I think for this, it sounds like they're doing this for money. So they're not here as a, as if it's their territory. They're here purely for business. Yeah. Uh, so to finish out the species, I would really like, okay, so I just watched a na- nature doc- documentary. So of course I'm just like all up in this right now. Um, so when the, uh, there's a town in uh, Colorado that has deer and elk all up in it all the time. And they're super chill. They do not care about anything. You can walk right next to them. Yeah. You can, but uh, a couple of random weeks out of the year, and you can never tell exactly when because it kind of changes based on some unknown signal. Every single stag becomes as murderous as possible. They attack cars. They attack anything that barely moves. They attack people. They attack just anything that they attack statues that look like another dude. And I would love for this season of these stagmen to just become murderous with no, no hint whatsoever. And all the girls are like, Oh, it's that time of year or it's that time of, yeah, that time of year we're going to go. And they just leave for a while. And the dudes are all just like punching and kicking and stabbing each other just for like two solid weeks. And then whoever is left over, uh, the girls come back to and they're like, cool, let's get it on. Uh-huh. And they just have a, a big thing. And then the new generation is born. And I like this idea that, that out of that idea, it, this is how they, they've created this, uh, because of where the shadow mar- demarcation is and everything else and location to where their main, where they, you know, live and travel and doing stuff, they figured out how to and what, you know, to hunt and do this stuff for um, selling this stuff. And because at this right. time, this is they're the only ones who can do it because the, the men are off being a bunch of jerk faces. Well, no, and I like this. So the, the, the girls go off and do the hunting. So the guys are all about freaking mating all the, all that like their whole lives are like dedicated to this, right? They're always like trying to be- Get macho, it. yeah. They, they have no, yeah, yeah. Trying to be as big as so. What if, what if they have like a town or an area at least where they're living, and the dudes are just constantly like trying to like lift logs and lift weights and do stuff to get ready for this crazy homicidal time? Yeah. And then the girls take off, and then when they come back, they're like, "Cool, let's get this done with." And then the girls take off again, or you know what? Actually, the, the girls, girls only come around during mating season. Right. No, but what if they are doing this thing real heavy during uh, near the shadow thing? To get a bunch of money because they know they're about to have like babies and they need to be ready for it. So they're getting the money. The dudes are figuring out amongst themselves. They come back. They have a full season to raise their young for a certain amount of time. They let them go in the wild and the cycle starts all over again. That sounds great. I mean, I like it. So there's just a bunch of like stag dudes who are just like bench pressing logs in the forest somewhere. And then a bunch of like super pretty, scary doe girls who are just hunting anything they see that might be in a good sale. Yo, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> your, your biceps are like lit right now, bro. So lit. Do you want to spot? I'm, I'm so, Do you want to spot? Yeah, now spot you. I'm so sad. I'm going to have to kill you in two weeks. Yeah, but yeah, bro, exactly. right now, lit. <laughs> so lit. You're like my best friend, man. I, You know what? If I have to kill you, I would do it so fast so you wouldn't feel any pain. Me too, man. Me too. No, I love it. I love it. And you, the fact is, is that they don't know when it's going to happen. It's by some unknown instinct that just kicks in all of a sudden. Yeah. So I would love for like this scene of like one guy looking at his friend or just doing something. And then all of a sudden he like looks up and there's a look on his face and he just turns around and stabs the dude next to him. And then it just spreads across him. And all of a sudden they're just fighting. And yeah. it's just like, a, it's like a bar fight that broke out, you know, over something that you don't see what happened, but something just happened. And then it's just two weeks of murder. I, I, what I, what it sounds like is is basically the triggering of um, not not mating season, but the the I'm I'm the leader of the whatever season. Yes, the alpha season. And what could have happened is this could have evolved because the because people witnessed it and said, oh, I know I don't know what triggers it, and and all of a sudden they all just become murderous. When really back in the day it was just like, oh, it's mating season, and we're we're just gonna see who's dominant. <laughs> But because, Ooh, perception, but because of perception, but oh, because of perception, it's changed it into this. Yeah, as people come by, they say, "Oh, well, the girls go away. Uh, they're probably hunting other people down." Meanwhile, the dudes are trying to establish alpha, and they're just getting way too crazy. Yeah, and it just starts like actually becoming that. And then as it becomes more that, the perception becomes more solidified, and that's what they turn into. Yeah. So they've evolved, and now they're just broing out like ninety percent of the time. And it's like a stereotype of broing out, of like, oh, that's so great. Like the stereotypes enforce what? Oh my god, this is a, a stereotype world. Oh my and, god. 
Yeah, well, not you know, there, there's some things that can be affected by it, and some things that aren't. You know, depending on 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 Just, what's going on, because that because this we're not yeah. we're, we're not say like like you said, this didn't happen instantly. This has happened over no. eons of time. It, yeah, it takes a lot because it's not like one person can see it and they change, unless the creature is specifically built that way. But that's its own reason. But for others, it takes a lot of time and a lot of like influence from. So as um so perhaps since the Shadow Council was established right next to this territory, yeah, as more come in and out from this territory, that perception, uh changed and began to enforce it on those that type that that creature more path. Of, yeah yeah because there was more there to witness it and uh, enforce their perspective yeah and each That's year they become more broish, right right <laughs> so right, broish. Right. <laughs> i'm just imagining tank tops made out of leaves it's so great <laughs> cool all right no i like it i like this i like this That's race awesome. it's gonna be so much fun to draw i'm so excited <laughs> Um, so we need to, we need to head on over to, uh, to a, to a darker time now. Mm. Um, we, we're slowly, uh, we're stepping off from drunk to, uh, savage women and bras mm. to, uh, I think, uh, we need another separation in our group here. It needs to be something a bit more, uh, tougher. Okay. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, when are we, at what point is this separation happening? It's probably going to be. Um, leading up to this event with the with the girls, or or probably just before it, or something's going to happen where um, this separation is going to happen. They're not going to be able to go looking for the other people that are separated because of this. You get what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, so we're wanting to separate them before the main event happens because. Well, just let's, the... let's let's discuss what's happening here first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Lay it out for me so I'm I know what we're doing. Right. Um, we've got we've got a character here that was kind of bubble girl. Um, nope, unsolidified, no, who's now no, turned into Aurora. No. Aurora. You yeah, thank you. But but what the <laughs> yeah. audience knows is Bubble Girl, and is now an no, Aurora. Her name is Aurora. The audience would know her as Aurora if you right. used her name. Exactly. But I, uh-huh. I mostly use Bubble Girl because Bubble Girl's what I've been using as Bubble Girl. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways, um, we have. I think we're going to embark on a dark journey with this one, or at least so, I, you it, have yeah. come up with a good idea for this, and I, I, I think you should introduce it. Uh, get ready for a little side story here, folks. Um, swipe. <laughs> side stories. We are we are kind of going off our main storyline here with Tatiana with her quest. We know that she's heading back to face Oberon. We know what's going on there. Um, story arc is about these characters and about making them as complex and realistic as possible in terms of ridiculous fey realms, dear people. So... <laughs> Aurora, I really took a, a liking to because she has just got this. She has all kinds of possibilities going on. Right. Remember that, Let, folks. If if Sarah takes a liking to you, this is what's going to happen. Oh man, you, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna blossom into a beautiful beautiful storyline, which I will of course illustrate with my you know utmost care. Um, Aurora is a character who has the ability to emotionally project. Uh, a sphere of influence essentially. So, but the, the, okay. Restrictions on her powers and clarification of her powers is that her emotions must be genuinely felt. You cannot fake your fear. You cannot fake your anger. You cannot fake your happiness because the power does not work if it's fake, right? The biggest thing is, is that the, that emotions are a part of being human. And in this case, those emotions can create a sphere around Aurora and though they are translated through her mind, through her whatever, into a power itself based on the emotion. So, for example, when you are angry, um, your fists ball up and you become very hot and your heart beats very, very fast. Yeah. And all of these symptoms of that emotion begin to happen. And for Aurora, as she casts that sphere of influence, the people caught within it feel those same things. The temperature begins to boil. A pulsing beat begins to hammer against you, uh, which is her heartbeat literally translating into a, a powerful kind of wave. And you, you become so flustered and overwhelmed not only by the emotion she's projecting but by the symptoms she's feeling from that emotion that you literally start to boil to death as you're being hammered over and over by the anger she's projecting onto you uh same thing with fear which is how her power is going to uh manifest from when she's very young the fear comes from when she was very small and perhaps in a in a foster home or an abusive home um 
she's going to curl up into a ball as a small child would in the corner of a room and will herself to be invisible so that the abusive parent or foster parent or adult who is not caring for her properly cannot find her to do whatever horrible things they had intended to do. And, um, Perhaps it's not so much fear as her trying to calm herself down or to be invisible itself, because sometimes there are emotions that don't have clear names. And for this one, the the will, her willing herself not to be seen is a huge thing for her. And at first, the thing that she she thinks she can do, that the only thing she thinks she can do. But we find that um, not only can she make herself invisible within the sphere as well as others. Um, yeah. But fear causes almost like a, a blackout, a sphere of darkness to where you can't see or feel or smell or anything. It's like being in a deprivation tank. And that sphere can just, I mean, completely ruin people. Or, on the other hand, her happiness and her joy can project a feeling of of pure bubbles rising through the air, giggliness, and people maybe they float within the sphere of influence when she really truly feels joy. There's all kinds of good effects that can come from it as well, because we need to really hammer in that the emotions need to be felt genuinely to get past them, because bottling them up causes an explosive uh, after effect. If she doesn't allow her fear and her anger out to, in, in, a, in a way, in a constructive way, well, yeah. you know, then um, it builds up and builds up and builds up and essentially explodes out and hurts not only the people she's intending to hurt, but also the friends around her who happen to be in range. Man. So that's a breakdown of her of her powers. That's that's uh, that's pretty intense. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's and... going to be super useful. But. Yeah, well, but she's also, I think, uh, you know, and 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 uh, and the ideas you've had for, her, I think it's going to be just as just as intense. It's going to get more intense here. Mm-hmm. So uh, as we discussed, the Aurora Project, which is what I'm now officially calling it. So, just made that up. Uh, so in this storyline of Aurora, because uh, we're going off on her a little bit. Um, she had this crazy childhood. She's been recruited by Tatiana. She's recruited as uh, someone who can make people invisible. She discovers in the Fey realms that her emotions are more powerful than just being invisible. And she starts to learn how to channel them. And she also goes very close to one of the team members of this unbound group, um, perhaps even falling in love with them. And we haven't even really created that character yet, but that's a side note for now. Uh, her growing close to this person, and her learning to control these emotions has attracted someone else. Trevor, do you want to tell tell our listeners who that person is? Well, I'm also thinking it might be him. Maybe he. No, 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 no. Because we talked about this. Don't you mess up my storyline. No, I've yes, worked ma'am. so hard on. I apologize. Okay. Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, within this group, we have someone who has kind of secreted himself um, as a uh, maybe Tatiana wasn't affected, but just understood that he was uh, unbound and. You know, he's, I think he, she knows. Yeah. I think she just thinks that she's going to use him to her abilities because he's well, still a bug care. to her. She just well, she care. doesn't. She, just Tatiana's not human. She's using him for her own thing. Right. And if she doesn't like him, she'll explode him. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Well, we have <laughs> we have an emotional vampire or a uh, an emotional mm-hmm. sociopath or whatever. He he's uh, an emotional eater. <laughs> yes. And not I the kind it. where he grabs a carton of ice cream when he's sad. Um, <laughs> we're talking about emotions you may have, uh, suspicion, fear, anger, trust, happiness, anything, um, depending on what he eats and how he eats it and how much he eats it, um, it can do certain things. It's kind of like an antithesis of Aurora. Instead of projecting her emotions, he takes other people's emotions in and drains them of that. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple points Each on emotion. his, a couple points on his ability. It's, uh, uh one thing we decided is that, uh, he is going to be a serial killer of sorts. Um, yeah, and at uh, at at uh, basically, um, the more he takes of a person, if he takes too much, he can basically. Um, I'm thinking either lobotomize or kill him, and I think I yeah, I would like them to be rendered. Uh, I I'm talking about I the really ultimate like. taking because he he right. literally watches them leave and 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 takes in, you know, the last bit of them and and I don't know just whatever destroys their their frontal lobe. Is what right. I'm getting at here. In, uh, and I like it. I would like there to be the tie into the serial killer part because 
what we what what I had thought of with this kind of person is is that the emotions he takes in act like different drugs. Uh, yeah. Love or happiness is like alcohol, or it makes you all spinny and bubbly and happy. And anger is like a uh, what is that like meth, and yeah. it makes you kind of crazy and all over the place and super strong. But maybe he doesn't like that one as much. You know, people have different preferences for sure for drugs. Um, like I said, well maybe maybe love is like weed, where you're giggly and relaxed. And the thing that I, I think that he likes the most is fear because fear is like cocaine. It gets you strong and jacked up and faster and you think smarter and you're going, going and going. And I think he's going to have a discovery of this because he's going to be trying to get emotions from people. And he's going to realize at one point that he can eat their happiness and that'll be pretty good, but it makes them kind of like, you know, laid back. Yeah. And then maybe something happens, a car crash happens, he's next to you and he feeds off the fear and, and, and the anger or whatever's going on. And he realizes that gives him a different hit and he wants more. Maybe he starts to scare people. Maybe he kidnaps people to try to get more emotions out of him. And like all real serial killers, it begins to escalate. It doesn't start with a murder. It begins with a small things. And then he one day has someone in his room. He's tied them up. He's scared them. He's been eating off them for a while. And he wants to really, really scare the heck out of them. And he does it so much they either have a heart attack or he accidentally kills them. But that final rush of fear and hopelessness and whatever else happens as the person dies is like the ultimate hit. Massive. And it just overwhelms him, and he realizes the potential of that. And that's what leads to his serial killing. But as all good serial killers and sociopaths, he has no emotion without this eating of others' emotion. It's the only way he can feel emotion. It's the only way. But like all good serial killers, he is extremely good at camouflaging himself as a very upstanding, likable understanding citizen that no one would suspect he looks normal but he's even perhaps a little bit attractive he is very friendly with everyone everyone feels very at ease with him well, i think he even has an extra an extra ledge on this too with his ability Mm-hmm. they feel very at ease because his ability as he eats he control he can control it very small amounts of their emotions it makes them kind of relaxed like chamomile tea it just kind of well, what i'm thinking is kind of fuzzy feeling even if someone had suspicion towards him he would eat their suspicion which is a fantastic point because even suspicion can ha- is a mixture of emotions yeah. culminating in someone's brain right so he eats these suspicions and they always think to themselves like well could it be him no that guy is so great he, every time i think about him i feel kind of good yeah no. In this group dynamic, uh, Aurora, having not quite learned how to control her abilities and being the kind that puts those emotions out and forces other to feel them, she's not quite liked in the group because with the nightmares, the terrors of her childhood, she often is in a negative state and it affects the rest of the camp so much that she eventually starts sleeping further away so she doesn't affect people as much and everyone's okay with it. Meanwhile, this other guy... He stays right in the center of the group and everyone loves him because he, he is friendly. He is, he's sociable. He makes them feel kind of good. They don't know why, but he just kind of makes them feel good. And it's mainly because he takes away these negative emotions they're feeling. But this, this guy is going to discover Aurora because she is going to be like a gold mine to him. Not only is she full of all these emotions from her tumultuous past, but she projects them in a way that is so much stronger than anything he's ever experienced, even killing people. And he wants to get close to her, but I think she's going to feel she's so much more in tune with these emotions as they're part of her power. That she's going to feel that something is wrong. She's going to feel as if something is gnawing at the side of her. And she just is going to feel uncomfortable and terrible, like like the hair raising in the back of your neck. Like someone someone you don't like with clammy, cold fingers dragging their fingers down the back of your spine. That's what it's going to feel like. <laughs> And she's gonna not, she's gonna instinctively try to get away from him. And he is instinctively gonna wanna try to get as close as possible to her. And, um, the terrible, the terrible thing we've set up for Aurora is that she's going to either fall in love or have a quite a, a stable connection with someone. Um, and it could be either, it could be a friendship, it doesn't have to be love every time. But this person is gonna create this kind of, they're going to help her increase her powers, create a stability, help her kind of get over a lot of her past to the point to where she feels confident. But this isn't good. 
for this for our little serial killer because he needs that outpouring of uncontrolled emotion. He is yeah. becoming addicted to it. And so sometime during these time events, he's going to stage the murder of that person she has grown so close to to hike up her incredible fear and anger, which he will consume to the point to where she can't use her powers because he's consuming them and it won't have any effect. That kind of horror and fear and helplessness is going to and it's just going to be a tidal wave and that's going to be the natural progression and it's going to drive her insane. She is going to completely lose everything. And not only that, because of her outcast nature in this group and the fact that everyone likes him more than her, when she tries to ask for help, she is going to be not only doubted, but completely rejected, which is going to tip her fully over the edge. And she's going to run away into the forest that they're currently in. Well, I've, I've got another idea here um, that's mm. kind of that actually may help push her along. Um, actually, I think they're going to get further than all the things we just said. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to we're going to blow her up. Um, oh, I, I, I say I say she's she's going to make it to the shadow demarcation. OK. And uh, she's going to um, I think this thing's going to happen before they get there, though. And she's just going to slowly drift away from the group, like you said. Um, but when they get the shadow demarcation, she's like. Or either, bef- yeah, it's going to happen before the shadow demarcation. She gets in there and because and sh- and, they're chased away. Um, and then something happens to where she gets split apart. She splits apart or leaves the group because of what you're, what, what's what you been going on. Um, and she is going to find uh, part of uh, Tatiana's payment to Sarag. Oh, you mean the fairy? Oh, the fey wine. So she's she- going to run away. Well, how is she? I mean, okay, so think about this. Uh, yeah. We have to set this up just right because if you all of these terrible things have just happened, you're not thinking clearly and you just want to run away and get away as soon as possible. You're not going to stop to try better. to figure out what's in the contents of a barrel. Well, maybe she's not. That's what I'm saying. Maybe she's not running away. She's just wandering despondently. And and and. Uh, and but I mean, again, she would be so zombified. She wouldn't be aware of her surroundings. And I mean, there's so much. Again, this is a, a girl who we've set out to be extremely emotional. Yeah. Um, so I feel like what should happen is there should be not exactly a trusted source, but she's going to run to anybody for help and no one's going to quite listen to her. And perhaps we have um, some either creature she runs into or something else that is like, oh, well, that sucks. I'll help you out here. Drink this and I'll help you out. And maybe she and says she- something along the lines like, I don't want to feel bad anymore. And he goes, well, yeah, I can she's, fix that. She's run away. She's in the forest. Perhaps they've been looted at some point. And the group has had some stuff stolen. I mean, and I mean, there's a lot of there's a variety of ways. Perhaps we could get to this alcohol. We could always escalate it from regular to more. Maybe something's but... watching the group, and and uh, she's wearing like a necklace or something it likes, and it's like some kind of like secretive traitor. And she's in, and, and she says this thing like, I don't want to feel bad anymore. I want to. I just want to. Uh, you know what I mean? Or something to that effect. It doesn't have to be that. And it goes, okay, well. well and oh, it, you know what? I've got the perfect tie-in here. We've got, okay, we want Aurora to run away and just to get ahead of ourselves, essentially grew, uh, team up with a group of these squirrels. They're uh, human-sized Viking looters who go around and steal stuff. So yeah. what if these squirrels have stolen stuff from the Unbound group? And one of the things they stole is the Fey barrel of wine, which perhaps they know is not good because if they drink it, something bad will happen. So they're going to sell it to someone else because they know it's going to be a lot of money. Perhaps she runs away and encounters this group of looters and they take pity on her and they go, man, this chick is crazy. A lot of bad going on. I don't know what's happening with her. Yeah. F it. Just make her shut up and give her some of that stuff and then she'll be out of our hair. And then, but then here's what I'm thinking though, is this stuff makes you drunk and happy. Like it's just like, like forever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all of a sudden she's bubbly and happy, and it basically makes all these raiders around her, these Viking squirrels, feel bubbly and happy, and and just uh-huh. Uh-huh. Not, not and also bizarre. slightly insane. Yeah, because she's also projecting the insanity of these emotions. And now we've got this happy-go-lucky Viking leadering Valkyrie of death. <laughs> yeah, and, and and as their their travels evolve, she leads this group. To do insane things and steal and run yeah, they around. Yeah, let's go loot this. She's like, yeah, let's go loot it. Yeah, and she just goes and does insane things because she does. She doesn't want to feel anymore. She's not. She's doing crazy adrenaline-inducing things to prevent her from ever thinking about the terrible things that have happened. That inner, love- inhibitions are completely gone now. 
Oh, completely gone, especially be, with the Fey wine. But what I like is, is uh, the event happens. He has sucked all her fear away. And perhaps he thinks that she'll probably just die because that's what most people do. They just die or give up. She escapes, but she can't have, she doesn't have her powers because he's eaten all of them. So she's run away. She's tired. She's torn up. She's beaten, whatever. Um, she runs in these squirrels. And so they don't notice at first that she has any powers because they've been eaten. Yeah. But as she rests and when she drinks that wine, especially it revitalizes her emotions and they pour out into a wave, which essentially traps these squirrels into her emotional state and binds them to her, essentially. Yeah. Because well, why would they want to leave at that point? It's, they're exactly. basically getting like an emotional high, which is what they're exactly. chasing all the time. It's like they're just on Molly all the time. They're exactly. just having a great old time. <laughs> and so what, and, what I what I would like to see happen towards the end here, as, as battles are going on and things are happening with Tatiana, is all of a sudden... Um, this this girl leads uh, leads these squirrels and into the middle of this battle, and like every, all the, the both teams only thinking like, oh god, here comes reinforcements, and the, and then the unbound team are like, oh god, yes, we have reinforcements, but instead she just goes straight to this dude and slaughters him. Oh, that would be awesome! <laughs> and then leaves. That great. <laughs> Oh my god, that sounds amazing! I love it so much right now. Like it just happens to be that she has to go through a line of fate to get to him, and they're like, "Yeah, she's helping!" And then just all of a sudden, everybody stops and watches, and she tears this dude apart. No, she's like charging through, and she's like, "Charge!" Yeah. And they're going and going and going, and then you just see like a slow motion of like him turning around and then meeting eyes, and her just. I wanted to have a big old spear for no reason because she knows she can't hurt him with her powers, yeah. and just literally like. She's on one of the damn squirrels and she runs him through and literally picks him up with the force of her charge and carries him a little while yeah. while he's on this giant spear. Oh my goodness. I love it be, so you much. You would be okay. So check this out. What I'm thinking is, is we can have her, um, one of those instances where you kind of do, but kind of don't know the full extent of what's happened. Exactly. So that when all this stuff happens, we can have her doing like little flashbacks as she's getting closer to this dude. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. You know, I like it. I like it. Maybe that, they need to have a longer showdown to where she finally just. Yeah. yeah. And well, I, I, I want to. Well, no, no. Okay. So, so, okay. Right. Remember how we talked about when he consumes emotions, they do different effects to him. Yeah. She's got this crazy sense of insanity and happiness and joy that she's so high on from the Fayberry wine that maybe it starts to make him drunk. And, like, he can't see straight, and he's wobbling, <laughs> and he can't fly back, and he's like, what the hell is going on? And he can't stop himself from consuming it because it's the mixture of the Fey wine and her insanity. And it just essentially ends up with her, you know, and them having a showdown, him trying to fight back, her, you know, finally, like, standing over him. And throughout this whole fight, we can have, like you said, these flashbacks to what actually happened. I, I, I think it's going to be awesome either way. It's going to be a freaking nightmare scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I mean, her running him through is going to be so satisfying. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be it's going to be fantastic. I don't know what line she's going to have, but it's going to be magnificent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's our, our dark side story for Aurora. At this point, uh, I'm, we're going to do a summary. We have uh, we have done some awesome discovery here on uh, the Fey Realms today. We've discovered Serag the Dragon and her lushy ways. We have discovered uh, Aurora's dark past and her dark, dark, dark future. <laughs> it is poor Aurora. Poor, poor Aurora. Such a she's a she's going to be a badass. I like her powers a lot. So we're gonna it's going to be fun to play with those more. Then we've also discovered uh, the 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 doe-eyed hunters and the Valkyrie squirrels of doom, or the the Viking squirrels of doom, uh, and uh-huh. and uh, the the troops, and then our direction as far as what Anna's going to take over. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? I think that's it. I'm excited uh, to get these characters drawn out and bring them to life. So am I. I want to start seeing those dang panels. This is gonna be man. Good. Yeah, I do. I do have to tell. I uh, tell our listeners. I know that you probably, if you haven't seen the website, take a look at it. Take a look at the very first panel. We are working hard to get not only the first chapter done for you to see, artwork for you to uh, enjoy, but also get a Patreon up so that you guys can support us and help us make our our dream come true. And of course, enjoy it for yourself. Yes, Sarah is. Uh, having some technical difficulties with her drawing devices. So hang in there, folks. I promise so much good stuff is coming. Keep listening to the podcast, but I will bring you some beautiful art 
very, very soon. Thanks for listening, guys. Keep on listening. Subscribe, like this page. Take a look at our official website, fayrealms.com. And then if you want to take a look at my art as well, I am on there on the Instagram link on the very bottom of the page. And uh, all artwork on the website is mine. So thanks for thanks for listening. Don't forget to tune in next week. You have been listening to Story Arc. I'm Trevor Sutton. If you like the show, please subscribe. Check out our website at fayrealms.com where you can find updates, artwork, and current progress on the graphic novel. If you want to contribute ideas to our story, click the link at the bottom of the page and email us. If your ideas are chosen, they will be featured and you will be credited on the show. Thanks. Ninety-nine bottles of fabe beer on the wall. Ninety-nine bottles of fabe beer. Fabe beer. Fabeer. Fabeer. <laughs> Take one down. Pass it around. Everyone's enslaved to the fay realms forever. Ninety-eight bottles of fabe beer on the wall. Ninety-eight bottles of beer. Take one down. Pass it around. The entire human race is enslaved by fabe beer. Ninety-seven bottles of Fate beer on the wall, 97 bottles of beer. Take one down, pass it around. A very happy, happy dragon is drunk. Now, yeah, that one's, it's, this is getting rough. I don't know if I can do this 96 more times. <laughs>